Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark, Episode 10. There seemed to be something caught in her throat. Every time she coughed, it moved, but just wouldn't come up. She kept coughing. It was turning into a morning ritual. This morning was no different than the mornings over the past several weeks. There was a hacking cough and a bunch of gook stuck in her throat. Finally, a last cough brought up a wad of blackish gook that she spit like a third base coach spitting brown, gooey tobacco spit as he watched his hitter look for signals to bunt. There, that was better. She was smoking way too much pot and she knew it. The smoke being held so deeply for so long was starting to take its toll on her. Most days, she was high from as soon as she could sneak off to get a few hits until she went to sleep. Nervously, she picked out the tight black jeans and her clogs with the little silver studs on them and a matching black belt. The black turtleneck would work well with that, so she picked it too. Her black bracelets with silver studs, all eight of them, would make the cut too. She topped off the return to school ensemble with a purple ribbon tied tightly in her long brown hair, making a perfect ponytail. Goth, but innocent. Perfect. Nathan and Debbie caught a ride with Mr. Calhoun on his way to work. This was, of course, after both had properly prepared themselves for the day. Floating to school once again felt as strange as she thought it might. The nice little buzz took off the edge, though. She didn't seem nervous. No one really spoke much on the way to school. Too damn early in the morning for all that. She noticed Nathan didn't look too well anyway. He got sick sometimes when he shot up, but it was temporary and usually always quickly passed. A light poke, and he was on cloud nine again. Hopefully the urge to do so wouldn't overwhelm him before he could get out of the car. It was strange pulling into the circular drive where cars lined up to drop off kids that hadn't quite made it through driver's ed yet, or if they had, were way too cool to ride the bus. The thought of riding the bus just wasn't something that seemed appealing to anyone, no matter what the circumstances were. Immediately, Debbie noticed familiar faces. The little comment about how things had moved on made by Nathan the previous night seemed to take on new meaning. She could see from the giggling girls' faces and the show-off boys that things really had gone on their natural direction, despite what had happened to her. Once out of the car, Nathan smiled faintly and went off in his direction. His destination, known by both of them to be a place to relieve his sickness. Debbie was on her own to face the staring crowd. 
Several girls approached her from their morning hangout spots and were smiles and hugs, their thick winter jackets pressing against hers with this what-else-is-there-to-say-or-do sort of strength. White puffs of cold air came from their mouths as they spoke of saris and how they'd missed her. Cold hands clasped hers. There was sincerity mixed with ought-tos. It was just like she thought it might be. One thing was certain. Her thank-yous in response were fake. There was no way her acquaintances at school could have any idea how something like what she'd gone through and was going through could possibly feel. Where was Nathan when she needed him? Her jaw clenched as she entered homeroom number 312. Her homeroom teacher was among the many staring eyes that greeted her with silence as she entered the room. Removing her waist-length black leather jacket, she found her spot vacant in the back of the class. Good. She smiled as she walked past sympathetic glances and smiles from others that seemed to last unnaturally long. Like a stutterer stumbles on their words, her homeroom classmates stumbled all over their smiles. Stuck with a particular thought in mind, they were unable to unhook themselves from their plastered grins to relay the thought to Debbie. The seat in the back of the room was good in that in order to stare at her more, one would have to actually turn around. No one would dare do that and she felt relief as her bare legs touched the cold plastic of the orange chair that was connected to her desk. It was a small price to pay for no more eyes on her. The tardy bell rang and homeroom was off to its usual no one cares that the bell just rang start. The mumbles had returned to conversations being played out in little pockets of clicks all over the room. There was April Lewis with her mall hair, push-up bra, and glossy lipstick talking with two other girls that wanted desperately to be like her. Zach Taylor and Antonio Garza were only a foot away from the three girls, each little group speaking loud enough so that the other could hear. April flipping her hair and Zach talking about football. None of that garbage had changed. The little games were still on. Instantly, upon seeing that little scene for what it was, Debbie felt different. Nothing may have changed for them. A lot had changed for her. Her experiences had given her a different perspective on things. Before her parents died, she would have laughed at April's hair flipping and Zach's showing off. Not now. She saw it for what it was. Immature and stupid. These were kids in the room with her. She didn't feel like a kid anymore. Her home room, Mrs. Zwick, was a nice enough woman, older probably, in her late 50s. 
She came to the back of the room and exchanged sorries and pleasantries with Debbie during the seven-minute homeroom period while students milled around the room and enjoyed the last few minutes before the day really began. Finally, the bell rang. First period shouldn't be too bad. A couple of the girls in her first period class had actually cared enough to come to the funeral. They weren't good friends. No one was really, but at least they would have some tact. If people got too blubbery, she could hang with them during class if need be. First period algebra, then to her locker, then to Mr. Marshall's class. He didn't know that she'd decided to come back. Hopefully, she'd be able to spend some time speaking with him. One thing that seemed to bother her that morning was that people were constantly touching her. No one could say, I'm so sorry, and leave it there. They had to have their hand on her shoulder or their hand on her arm. By the end of first period, she was very bothered by it. Then there was the I'm so sorry followed by the theory that terrorists had bombed the plane or a story about how once they were on a plane that experienced bad turbulence. They had to tell their almost experiences like it made a difference, like their experiences or the experience of someone they knew had anything to do with her parents. Listening to that made her angry. First period turned out to be doing work out of the book, none of which she understood. She was really far behind. The teacher showed her some examples for the current assignment, and they made up a schedule for some makeup work. Whatever. Debbie's enthusiasm for school had changed. It was another thing that was different now. She managed to find Nathan between first and second period. He looked horrible. Pale skin and glassy eyes made him look just like he was. They decided that he would play sick and go home, although there wasn't much play to it, and she'd stay the rest of the day. Mr. Calhoun could pick him up and Debbie could at least go to all of her classes and get some makeup work done so she wouldn't fail anything or get incompletes. Being tardy to Mr. Marshall's class wasn't anything new. She kept the tradition. That didn't change. Besides, maybe he'd give her a detention slip and she'd be able to go to detention in his room for a while. It had worked before. She tapped lightly on the door and entered while Marshall was in mid-sentence about something or another. He leaned against his lectern as she tried to quietly slip into class. No, hello, Miss Dude, this time. It just wasn't appropriate, although Debbie probably wouldn't have minded it. She would have cried foul if any other teacher would have been so inconsiderate to single her out like that in front of the class full of morons, especially given the situation. Mr. Marshall wasn't any teacher, though. She reminded herself of that from time to time. She had to. There had been times when his comments or actions were, well, a little strange. 
There was the time he kept her after class and gave her this seemingly endless bombardment of questions about her parents. In fact, he'd done that several times over the years that she'd known him. The thought crossed her mind from time to time about why he would even care about things like what her parents did for fun. He was just trying to get to know her, though. He was trying to understand her. After all, he wasn't just any teacher. A smile greeted her, and she warmly returned one as she took her place in the back of the class. There were students taking notes as Marshall continued his lecture without missing a beat. The people in his class worked hard to please him. His class was that way. The teaching style was such that students generally liked working for Mr. Marshall. That warm smile of his had something to do with it, surely. Debbie took out a spiral notebook from the stack of books she was carrying and began to jot down notes, just as if she'd been there all along. The subject was foreign, but the way he lectured made it easy to take notes, no matter what it was. Class passed quickly. The bell rang. The students left, and Debbie remained seated patiently at her desk. Finally, the room was empty except for the two of them. Hey, Miss Dude, I didn't expect you back today. I was wondering if you were going to call me that, she responded to him. So are you still coming over Saturday like we discussed? Sure, it's still okay, right? Yeah, of course, but how about I meet you at Starbucks? I thought we were going to your place. He responded quickly, let's not do that. You know Starbucks on Chimney Rock? She did. 9 a.m. Saturday? She nodded yes. He wrote her a pass to the next class, which enabled her to go in tardy with no problems. The day progressed slowly. There were brief private meetings after class with other teachers who created bits of makeup work, more stuttering smiles and hugs that felt cold and fake, greeted her at every corner, it seemed. She couldn't wait to get out of there. She watched the clock, trying to make the hands move by will. Her patience was running thin. Giggles here, show-offs there. Had she really outgrown that scene? What did all the kids know that surrounded her? They went home to their parents or their parent, whatever the case may be. They lied about their homework and where they were going, did their little hits of ecstasy. They went to the mall, football games, and Saturday night parties where someone got their older brother to buy some beer. They'd have summer jobs, too. There was working landscaping for the jock types, which meant mowing lawns. There was babysitting and working a cash register at a grocery store for the girls. 
The lucky ones would get jobs at someplace cool in the mall like Macy's or The Gap. The losers would work fast food at the food court. No job for Debbie, though. She didn't and wouldn't need it. No way was she going to work just for the sake of working. Nice thought, but that entirely was not in her character anymore. She wondered if it ever had been. What would she be planning for the summer if her parents were still alive? Would she be doing what the rest of the girls her age were doing? Yes, she decided. Most likely she would. An application in early enough and a phone call from one of her dad's friends might have landed her a job at the new Oshman's across the street from the mall. The bell interrupted her daydream just like the plane crash had interrupted her life. She couldn't wait to get out of there. Mrs. Calhoun was mercifully waiting for her as she walked out of the main building. Debbie's first thoughts were good, now I can go home, but wait, she thought. I'm not really going home, I'm going to Nathan's parents' house. She didn't have a home to come to anymore after school. God, things were different. Different in a way close to being overwhelming. She faked her way through conversation with Mrs. Calhoun on the ride home, but the strange newness was surrounding her like fog at daybreak. She tried to remember the words of the therapist she'd seen. What other choice do you have? He had asked her. God's will? So God willed this to be? How would that be possible? God is supposed to be loving and kind, she was thinking as they pulled into the Calhoun's driveway. She knew for a fact that somewhere in the Bible it said that God is love. She couldn't wait to get out of the car and away from Miss Calhoun's pretending to be her mother. No one could replace her mother. Who did she think she was, anyway? What Debbie needed was a joint, not just a couple of hits to catch a buzz. She needed a big, fat joint and wanted to smoke all of it. Nathan was asleep. What Miss Calhoun believed to be the flu was actually his overdoing it the night before. Poor guy. He was really getting sick and becoming more and more a junkie every day. His choice. Besides, when you look at things, what other choice do you have? To use the words of Alan Sloan, the minister-slash-psychologist, said Debbie out loud as she used the vanilla-scented rolling papers Nathan had given her for her birthday a while back. He could either make sure all the cans of green beans were facing in the right direction on aisle six, or he could hang out and float. Let's see, no brainer there, she continued out loud. She then held up her perfect cannabis creation. There, it's beautiful and perfect, she said. She grabbed the Tic Tacs, Visine, and her purse-sized bottle of white linen perfume. Time to take a walk. Time to slip between two houses and spark that baby up. Time to float. Thank you for listening. Join us for the next episode of Darkest Darker Dark. Until then, 
I'm Rodney Mathers, and this is Good Fiction.